Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. Back again. This is literally my favorite thing, you guys. I am just having the best time. I'm super pumped about today's interview. It's the founder of Holisticism. Her name is Michelle Pelazon, and we definitely get into the Pelazon. <laughs> I just love that. Um, in the interview, and she um, founded Holisticism, which is a wonderful resource. I highly recommend setting up signing up for her um, email list. Um, for basically the wellness world. She's got a lot of webinars, um, articles, resources on how to access your Akashic records and how to read tarot um, and all different kinds of things. Um, And then she also offers software for practitioners. So it's like she's got the business and the passion and the brains. I mean, it is, yeah, she's a wealth of information and I literally had the best conversation. Um, So I'm very excited. But before we get into the interview, of course, I just want to give you my little update. Um, I spent all last week being at home with my family and it was so much fun. I like worked from home all day long and then hung with the fam, um, like cooking dinner. And I spent a lot of time sitting with my mom and going through um, my family tree, which I'm like so embarrassed that I didn't know so much about my family. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't have told you where my ancestors were from. Like they're apparently I'm Scots Irish with a little bit of English and then um, mostly Spanish, probably like through Mexico by way of Mexico on the other side. But that's just like one quarter of the family. Um, so it was so awesome. I just had a friggin' blast. We went through photos. It was a trip. And like for the first time ever, I was actually like taking handwritten notes about my um, family history because I'm not going to remember that shit. Obviously, I haven't been remembering that shit. <laughs> and, um, you know, I want to have it forever. So that was pretty cool and interesting and fun. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend um, doing that when you're home because you never know what you're going to uncover. My, like, big family confusion is whether or not we're Jewish. I know I have the world's most Jewish last name, Kohan. My grandfather changed it from Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, to Cohan in um, the 40s because he's a fucking genius. I don't know. I literally don't know why. And um, my mom's side is also Jewish. And looking at the pictures, let me tell you, we are we're super Jew. But uh, I was never raised Jewish. I was raised Episcopalian. So um, it's very strange to identify with a religion and culture um, that I was not brought up with. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. So anyway, um, that was my week. I'm back now, back at home with my doggy, Frida, um, having, having a blast and like trying to enjoy just the last, last, last moments of California's super long, late summer. So we're getting a heat wave this week. I know. I'm sorry if I'm um, making you jealous. <laughs> um, but it makes it worth it living here in California. All right. And um, 
I do have a favor to ask all of you. If you have a moment, it'll take less than five minutes. Please head to my website, sarahcohan.com. That's Sarah with an H and Cohan with an A, <laughs> dot com. And fill out my survey. I want to hear from you. I want to know who you are. I want to know what you like about the show because I want to keep bringing you more things that you like about this show because I'm having a blast and I hope you are too. So um, just visit sarahcohan.com and you'll see a little button that says take the survey and tell all your friends to take the survey too after you tell them about this lovely show. (laughs) All right, you guys, thank you so much. And let's get to the episode. Hi, Michelle. I want to welcome everyone, Michelle Pelazon, and we are officially now in the Pelazon. Hello. <laughs> hey <laughs> So exciting. And she's with Holisticism. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. Yeah, good. Oh, amazing. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, so let's get started. I like don't want to waste like one minute with you because I feel like you have so much knowledge to share. So I'm like, well, let's get to it. I'm flattered. Oh my God, please. I hope so. Um, so, okay. Tell us about holisticism. Yeah. Holisticism is a made up word, obviously. Um, but I, I kind of came up with it when I was looking for a word to describe my philosophy on living and being a human being. Uh, cause like holistic living didn't, didn't sit with me and holism is sort of a religious term. And I just wanted a way of talking about how I approached my life, my business, my romantic relationships, my personal relationships, everything, my money. And to me, that was holistic living with like being, believing in holisticism. It all connects. It's, it's all in and of it's, itself. So, Holisticism is my company. And what we do at Holisticism is we make wellness as inclusive and as accessible as possible because wellness as a word and as an industry has really been conflated with elitism and um, um, thin white women. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, Everything connects to our well being, everything contributes to our well being from the way that we vote to the food that we intake to how we exercise to how we're trusting our intuition. So that's what we do at holisticism. We make the wellness world and well-being more accessible, more inclusive. We do that by providing resources and education for people and by helping holistic wellness practitioners, people in that space to run their businesses more intuitively and more effectively. The thought being, you know, if people who are um, healers and helpers and guides and practitioners, the ones with this really juicy knowledge and information, if they can pass that along to the general population, um, then we're, we're all doing, uh, we're all going to do a lot better. Um, so we want to make that process easy for them because so many practitioners are shockingly not business minded. So, um, that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. Wow. That's amazing. And so you have a software for practitioners, correct? Which is kind of like a back end. Yeah. Yeah. I built software like three years ago. Um, what the um, fuck? So- <laughs> 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 and that's also what I say. What the fuck? That was really like, I mean, I came from tech, so my background is super fucking weird. I was a professional modern dancer. Um, but before that I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 17. And that's why I got into the wellness space because I had this neurological disorder that no one knew. No one knew what was wrong with me. My brain scans looked fine. I went to so many doctors and they were all just like, I don't know. My brain's broken. Sucks to suck my dude. And you're going to be on medication forever. And you're probably going to die of a seizure in your sleep. 
And that Good didn't look to feel, you. Have fun. Yeah, exactly. It was like, that's kind of not that dope. Um, can we get a solution here? And it wasn't until I moved to New York to be a dancer um, that I ended up meeting a practitioner who was amazing, wow. who was a um, definitely like, you know, didn't have a website. I went to like their Brooklyn walk up and did like a past life regression and energetic healing and some other crazy stuff with them. And I walked out of that session and I never had another seizure again. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, it was actually crazy. I get chills every time I talk about it, even though it was like a decade ago, because it was, it was truly life-changing. And I knew when I walked out that that was going to be the last time I ever had a seizure. And I also just had this profound sense of guilt because so many people, one in 10 people have a seizure disorder on the planet. So that's like so many people. Um, and I just was like, wow, um, I got really lucky. Like, I can't believe I was in the right place in the right body at the right time to meet this person and get this care. And so many people are not going to have that opportunity. And that feels just so, so, so unfair. And so I, I got obsessed with alternative medicine and wellness and, and also, you know, blending that with allopathic medicine because Western medicine saved my life and has saved my life many times and has saved the life of my partner and is important, but it's the blending of the two that I feel like we, we need to talk more about. Um, so I'm getting a bit in the weeds, but I was a professional modern dancer, got into the wellness space, went back to school and became a nutritionist and wow. was sort of a celebrity trainer, nutritionist person. And then woke up one morning and realized that I really didn't want to help rich white people get skinny anymore. And that kind mm. of was what my job had turned into in the wellness space. Wow. So I ended up quitting and I realized that I had run some pretty awesome businesses, but I was really young and I didn't know about business. I have a BFA in dance. So um, I figured the easiest place to learn other than going to business school was by joining a startup. So I joined a tech startup and um, again, I got super lucky and I'm also super privileged because I'm a white woman and um, I got a gig as employee six at a startup that happened to do really well. And from there, I kind of was able to parlay that into other jobs in the tech world. And and long story short, that's why I became obsessed with software and building software to help wellness practitioners. But I realized along the journey that actually I probably didn't need to do that. Um, there were easier ways to solve that problem. But, um, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I know how to code. So that's cool. <laughs> that's amazing. And, yeah. Well, and you have such a unique background of like being able to recognize the side of being a practitioner and the tech side of what they, what you can do with software. So it's like, you're blending the two, which again, you're like blending um, the mystic with the realism. That's something I've heard you say so many times. So I like, I think it's a natural kind of combo that you did, which is really, really cool. But then to add on to that, such a huge, well, like like library of just resources and tools for people and like you are just like, you're always doing stuff. You got a webinar going, (laughs) (laughs) you've got a workshop going, you got a program going. This is true. We're always like, we're all up in it. Well, I have a really awesome team, a super small, but awesome team. And that makes it really easy and an incredible community of people. So, you know, when you just listen, you know, I got really good advice a couple of years ago, fall in love with the problem, not your solution to the problem. Mm. And so 
when I stay in love with the problem, that means that I keep listening or I try to keep listening as much as I can to what my amazing community of people tells me that they need. And they happen to be really vocal. So they tell me what they need a lot, which, which makes my job so easy because literally all I have to do is listen and respond and make things for them and try to help them as best I can. Wow. How do you separate your ego from the solution or from the problem? I mean, you got to, I don't know if it's possible. I think just being (laughs) in awareness of it, right. And be like, cool. My ego, like our ego isn't a, it isn't an inherently bad thing, right? Our ego protects us, keeps us safe. We need it. If we didn't have it, we'd just like, I don't know, be throwing ourselves off bridges and and getting into cars with serial killers. Like our ego is important. Um, it's when it like runs us, same thing as fear, when it runs our decision decisions and choices, um, is when it can become problematic. But um to answer your question, like I think just being able to like hold, I'm holding my hands up, like holding up a mirror to myself and be like, is this necessary? And like, why am I doing this? And what's my Mm -hmm. intention here? Because Mm -hmm. honestly, like, as long as I'm clear on my intention, if my intention is like to get super fucking famous, fine. (laughs) Like, like just get clear on whatever it is that you're here to do. Um, if my intention is to like be of service to a, a specific type of person or a specific community of people that just makes my decisions a lot easier. So I'm all about ease. Like I'm very lazy. So um, if I can make my life easier by making it more simple for myself to make decisions, then I'm going to go down that route. Love that. Love ease. It's my word of 2020. (laughs) Huge fan of ease. Huge. Like how do I get all that ease into my life? (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So how do these two, I mean, essentially you have two businesses. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Yes. It's like, we have two businesses. How do they talk to each other? Are they totally (laughs) separate? Do you like treat them differently? Is one your favorite? (laughs) Like babies? They are, they are, you know, they, they sort of feel like two spirits that sometimes come together and are the same person. And then other times are like completely different different entities where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> um, but you know, the, if we look at the life cycle of someone who gets into the wellness and well-being space, often there's a traumatic event or something that happens to them, right? It doesn't have to be super traumatic, but it could be capital T or lowercase T trauma that gets them into this space. So maybe it's a breakup. Maybe it's a health diagnosis like me. Maybe it's I don't know. They go to a moon circle with a friend and we're rolling out their eyes. And then they have like a spiritual awakening that happens in the middle of it. Right. And often that journey is what leads someone to being a wellness practitioner mm-hmm. because they have such a profound experience. And I know that cause that's what happened to me. And every single wellness practitioner I know did not set out to be a wellness practitioner or healer. They were someone who was looking for answers. It's mm-hmm. so similar to people who are therapists mm-hmm. who are coaches you know, you needed someone and you found them and that's, and that changed the direction of your entire life. And it's almost like you want to give that service back to others. So I sort of justify having these two businesses as well, you know, the, the life cycle of our, our client, our end, you know, end user who is a wellness practitioner, we might be with them throughout that whole journey, right. Of discovering the wellness space. And I selfishly, hate the wellness space. And I want more people to 
Like I want more dope people to have access to what wellness and well-being can be. And for a while, and I think this is the tide is changing. It was super white. It was super affluent, super classist, honestly, pretty misogynistic. Um, like it was gross, right? Yeah. If we look at Instagram, like three years ago, it was all like bikini body guides and like, I don't know, charcoal lattes and like, that's it. And that's <laughs> sort of not the point, right? The yeah. point I think for me of everything that we do is getting back to our intuition because when we are in touch with ourselves and our intuition and we know ourselves, it's impossible to make a wrong, a wrong move or a wrong choice for us when we have personal sovereignty and well-being and wellness is such an integral part of knowing your intuition. Mm. So I was just reading a study. I'm going to get super nerdy. So just cut me off if you need to. No, let's do it. <laughs> okay, great. Let's We're get into in. it. We're getting into it. Okay. So I was reading some studies this weekend about mental health and intuition. And um, I have anxiety and depression and all the things as how could you not emerge from 2020 without those? I'm, yep. I'm not quite sure, but um, there's this amazing study um, in on PubMed. If anyone wants to go, just do a Google um, PubMed's where they publish all like you know medical studies and cases and all the data and information that you need to know. Um, and in this study, it talked about how when people experience depression, they experience a lapse in their intuition, their ability to check in with their gut feelings. Wow. And, the, the researchers in this study used the word intuition and they defined intuition, which I thought was amazing and really progressive. And it's so true when we are, when we're living in anxiety or we can't, um, we can't delineate between what feels like anxiety and what feels like our intuition, right. Or like a gut, a gut check when we are experiencing bouts of depression or depressive episodes, it's really hard to, to make any decision, right. Let alone like be able to tap into yourself and connect and, and hear what you need. Um, and so wellness and well-being is really important, but I think it's more of the vehicle and the thing that keeps us in our intu most intuitive state. And that's important because when we are operating from our intuition and making choices that are personally sovereign, then we, and mm. empowered, right. Then we're actually like living our purpose out in the world and not mm. afraid of what other people have to say about us or think about us. And we can just do what we're here to do. Um, and like be fucking ballers about it. So yeah. <laughs> I feel Love like that's that. the, <laughs> that, that's the quote, be fucking ballers about it. Yes. I feel like that's the, um, umbrella of which like we view everything at holisticism is like Amazing. just getting you closer to your intuition and offering you tools and frameworks to do that. Amazing. I've never heard of anxiety being the opposite of intuition. And I think that's so spot on because sometimes I'll be like, what is my gut feeling? And I'm like, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Where you're like, is it my intuition that the house is on fire, or is it just like, like my crippling anxiety and my seven cups of coffee today that have gotten the better of me? Could be both. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Could be a delightful little mix of the two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I love that, and I will definitely link that um, study below because I think that that's so cool. That's yeah, so very grounding. Them. Yeah, very cool. Okay, I love that. Um, okay. So they blend together. You use, they talk to each other. I'm guessing. Oh yeah. I totally buried the lead on that. They no, talk no. to each other. <laughs> they seem, you know, to me, they, they seem to flow together really nicely, but also part of what we're here to do is like just fucking 
be radical in the wellness and well-being space. So like talk about stuff that people don't want to talk about, talk yes. about business and talk about like politics, which I get a lot of flack for a lot of the time. Um, cause I'm pretty outspoken and, um, and talk about how those things are integral to our well-being because they are. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I do think that, you know, having our finger on the pulse of what wellness or well-being, I guess, like enthusiasts and connoisseurs, what they are struggling with, what they want to know more about, what they're curious about, being able to spot trends before they happen just by being immersed is really effective and, and helpful for um, helping entrepreneurs, intuitive entrepreneurs building their businesses, because we can kind of like use the data that we're, we're grabbing from this section and mm-hmm. sort of sprinkle it in over here. And also we get to provide a lot of our entrepreneurs a really amazing platform to reach more people who are interested in their services. So they kind of, they work together. That's amazing. Okay. So they, they do work together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they do. You're a genius is basically my team is no, my team is like, can you just pick one? Can we just pick one? And I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to, I just want to do all of it. (laughs) Is that the goal someday to like, maybe pick one or no, I have no goals because because every time I've set a goal, I'm 31. And so I'm not that old, but like, I feel like every time I set a goal in my life, it, it actually like hamstrung me, you know, mm. like kept me small. So I'd mm. rather, plus like, I'm so limited in my perception and my knowledge and what I know. Um, my brain can't even understand what I'm, what I'm capable of or, or what the future could hold for me. So why would I be as small as what I only know right now? So I don't have goals, which is not Love a great that. answer. But um, it'll, I don't know. I, I kind of believe that our businesses are their own entities. I love the book, Big Magic by mm. um, Elizabeth she, Gilbert. Name, yes. And she says in that book, you know, ideas and they just land on our shoulder and we're lucky to maybe bring them to life. It's kind of like kids, I think. Like you're not like the boss of them. You're just like here to make sure that they survive and thrive and to give them everything they need to like go out and do what they're supposed to do in the world. And I think the same thing with businesses. So I'm just here to like be open and listen and provide what holisticism needs in order to grow. And at some point um, it might outgrow me and I might not be able to offer it what it needs to be the thing it's supposed to be. Um, And it also might change direction and I have no control over that. So I'm just here to respond. (laughs) Amazing. That's so detached. I love that. It's amazing. (laughs) That's so detached. It is. Like, you're just like, you're your own thing. I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) It's too much. I'm like, I have too much anxiety, period, end of story to be in control of everything. So try as I might. Um, So that helps. I love that. I started um, a business about two years ago. It was a clothing line. And it was just like every step of the way, it was like white knuckling, like, like, that's like, how it feels <laughs> when you first get started to you're like, how the fuck do people start businesses? Like, Oh, I, I mean, I just listened to how I built this by Guy Raz, like incessantly, oh, yeah. Yeah. which then flip sided. Cause then I was like, my business isn't big enough. And I was like, I got to turn this off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, love the podcast when I was, uh, I was in tech and kind of going through a fundraising moment. I was listening to that a lot. And um, yeah, it's, that's why that's wild. But also there are so many different ways to run businesses, you know, yeah. like that we don't always talk about. There's always a more creative way too. Yeah. To, to do your work. 
Yeah. Well, and I just kept hearing all of these like stories of people that had ease in their business. And I was like, okay, this business. No, they don't. No, they, <laughs> but like also, no, they don't. You know, like they're on a podcast. Of course, they're not going to be like, yeah, it's super shitty. And like, um, my husband and I are getting divorced because we hate each other. And like, you know, like they never talk about that stuff. And no. it's not, I don't know. Did you find that? Have you found as you're interviewing more people that you're like, oh, it's never like, easy. No, it's so interesting. Like hosting one person (laughs) is just so different than the next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And some, some practitioners are just in the beginning and there's, it's their first interview. And I'm like trying to get like information out of them. And then some people are so deep. I'm like, I'm so nervous, you know, (laughs) it's all over the place. I love that. Oh, you're so honest and vulnerable. I just love it. (laughs) Well, I mean, how can we not be right? Like, come on, it's 2020. Like anyone who's lying or like trying to sugarcoat things, like just be honest. I mean, it all works out. It always works out in some way, right? Like you keep on, but it doesn't mean everything's good and it doesn't mean it's easy. And also just because people have success and they look like they have the life that you want, doesn't mean that they do. Like so many entrepreneurs that I know, I know so many people who've raised money venture capital. And it is, it is so different than what it looks like on Instagram or how it looks in Forbes. It is Mm. so not, (laughs) so not that. Um, and like that it's okay to not want that, you know? Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Very brave, but it's true. It's (laughs) It's so true. I had friends that would, so I had, um, a, a cape company. I would make these sparkly capes. Super oh, fun. Very rare. amazing. Everyone needs it. <laughs> um, and my friends, you know, I would like, I had a daily ritual of posting and I was like on my schedule and I had yeah. my hashtags worked out and it took me, um, at least six months to make one sale online, which was mm-hmm. like crazy. I wasn't ready yeah. for that. And yeah. my friends would all be like, Oh, your, your, your clothing company looks like it's doing so good. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you think that because <laughs> You're like, just take a look at my bank account. I know it's yeah. a little different <laughs> in the red, but no big deal. But then it was like, everything I know looks good on Instagram. Everything was good on Instagram. And then I was like, do I tell them? Like, do I keep feeding this story in my mind by telling them? Like, it was just this weird, bizarre thing. And then finally I was like, fashion is not for me, but I, <laughs> I did it and I tried uh, and it was so fun. And all of these lessons that I've learned, I will take with me forever in my life. Thank God, which is amazing. No time was wasted, but I didn't know how to reconcile the, like (laughs) the divide. Yeah. Yeah. And like, oh gosh, there's so many different things that we could talk about, but like, yeah, I mean, Instagram is its own weird I call it the hologram because it's like not my real life, but Mm. it's like parts of my life, but it's not my real life. And it's also not my business's life by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, like, what do you share on there? And what do you not? And by the way, like by posting on it, we're just making Mark Zuckerberg rich. So do we really want to contribute to that? That's like a weird energetic. Um, And then e-commerce is a totally different beast. And uh, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm sure now if you went back and you just, and, and you try it again, you would have a completely different outcome because totally. you learned so much. Right. But like, yeah, it's totally. I also kind of feel like Instagram, I'll get fired from the internet from saying this, but I feel like it's overrated in terms of, um, what you need for your business. I don't mm. think that you need to be on it. 
Mm. Well, I'm sorry the internet's going to fire you because you were great. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice knowing you guys. Totally. It's been (laughs) real fun. (laughs) But yeah, I completely agree. It's so, okay, on this topic of vulnerability and honesty, what was the biggest mistake that you made in the beginning of creating holisticism? Um, Like... How many examples do you want? As many as you want to give. <laughs> um, okay. My biggest, I think that um, when I first started holisticism, I was just really scared. Like I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm scared still. So I'm scared like every day. I feel like I get a question. I have this awesome community of people. And I feel like people ask me all the time about imposter syndrome as if I don't have it. Everyone has imposter syndrome. Um, everyone's scared. Like anyone who's not as a sociopath, so run in the opposite direction of them. Um, <laughs> these things are important and we need them. Um, I was just like scared of other people's judgment, which sounds so trite and like what probably everyone says, but I found that I didn't ask for help from the people who could help me mm. because I was afraid. And that's just something that I'm I'm never, I don't, I don't think going to be comfortable asking for people close to me for help because I like doing things on my own. And there's this weird part of me, this like kinky part of me that likes making things harder than they need to be. (laughs) And I'm really like trying not to do that. I mean, I know I said, I like ease. I like ease, but there's also something about like, I always want to ratchet it up and make it better and harder and more magnificent. Um, And I think that that might come from a lot of female identifying people who've been told that they can't do something. It's as if we like to recreate structures of impossibility where we can continue to prove them wrong, Mm. but, but we don't need to do that. Um, I'll speak from the eye. I don't need to do that anymore. So I wish that I had just like not been afraid and had shared more openly when I first got started. Um, I also like had all this doubt about my intelligence and whether I could do this thing. And I'm really smart. And I've, I also have a lot of experience, so I didn't need to be afraid, but I ended up taking on someone who expressed interest in being my co-founder about a year after I'd started holisticism. And I've never talked about this before, but I think it's important to talk about because getting into business with a partner um, can sound really tempting Um, And for some people, it's exactly the right move, but for others, it's not. And for me in this situation, it wasn't. And at the time, I think I was flattered by this person who was so, Mm. had such a great job, who was making like, I remember they came to me and they were like, "Ugh, I can't, I'm so pissed. I I only got a $20,000 raise at my job and I'm only making 185K. And I was making like no money because, you know, I had my own business. I was like... (laughs) you're making 185 K and you take like every third week off from work. What are you talking about? Like you have the best (laughs) job ever. Like don't leave. Healthcare is amazing. And and I ended up, you know, saying yes to them being a co-founder or like, you know, maybe trying that. And it went so badly Mm. and it was really, I wasn't going to like fire them, but my partner, my, my boyfriend at the time, who's my fiance now, you know, he saw how much stress I was under and we had just started this relation, this, you know, co-founder relationship. He was like, you know, Michelle, it's not going to get better. It only mm-hmm. gets worse from here. The more money, the more people, the more time, the worse it's going to get, the more complicated it's going to get. And if you're doing all the work, if you are the one who laid the foundation, you can do this by yourself. Like you mm-hmm. don't need this person. 
you can get help from other people, but you don't need to be legitimized by someone else. You're already legitimate. You built this. So like, you don't need to try and make this work just to make it work. And that was really um, freeing for me. Wow. I think that I probably would have shut down the business if we'd continued the way that we were going because I was miserable mm-hmm. and um, and they weren't that helpful. Wow. So that was, that was, I mean, a good mistake to make early and thank God, you know, there's that, that adage of higher fat, uh, higher, slow, fire fast. That's definitely true. Mm. Um, and I think like lit just listening to my, I wish that I'd listened a little bit more to myself in the beginning than looking outside of, uh, I was looking to so many mentors and guides and, you know, I got really lucky and I got to be a part of some accelerator programs, some tech accelerators And I felt like no one was speaking my language and no one was listening to me and no one really understood where I was coming from. Mm. And so the advice that they gave me would have been great for another type of business, but it wasn't great for my business. And Mm -hmm. I knew that. And um, I just wish that I had used that time more effectively with them. And instead of deferring to them as experts, acted more as an equal because Mm. that's what I was. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of things that I wish I, and I also wish I would have hired an accountant earlier. There ah, you go. That's, there's a tangible piece of information. There we go. Technical. <laughs> get an accountant now. <laughs> like get an, get an accountant before you think you need one, before you're like making lots of money because um, they'll say, help you set up foundations and like practical, reasonable goals and expectations and all that good stuff. Love that. Wow. Wow. So when you were going through this process of questioning whether this was a good hire or not. Like what was, I'm so curious, like what was your, like, what was your reason that you brought them on? And then what was your reason to like, I have to stop, like this isn't working. Yeah. I brought them on because they had experience. They were a tiny bit older than me. Mm. They had experience building things. They worked Mm. for a really big, um, sort of like venture organization that, basically what they, they're like a venture studio. So they would build companies. And, um, and that was my mistake because I worked at startups. I worked at for six years, I worked in startups. So I actually knew what it took to build a startup instead of working at a venture studio where, um, you get paid really nicely to come up with ideas for startups. Mm. Those are really different things. Um, Mm. one's like, they're both awesome. Um, but I was definitely the scrappier of the two of us. It's, I would compare it to like a corporate person who's only worked in corporate America mm. versus someone who's like been an entrepreneur their whole lives or has yeah. only had entrepreneurial experiences. They're so, so, so different. Mm. And, um, that became really clear. I thought originally that that was going to be a value that was really important, right? Like, Oh, this person knows businesses. Like they have they have corporate experience. Great. I should bring them on. And then I realized as we were working together that those paces are completely different. Um, Mm -hmm. and also it's startups are a lot harder, you know, there's a lot more on the line. Um, and if a startup idea at a venture studio fails, you don't lose your job. You just work on a new project the next week. It's not a big deal. Um, if your startup fails, not only do you lose your job, but you also have probably lost a shit ton of money and, um, time and your life. So, so they're really different (laughs) states. And, um, that was also the reason that I, I came to realize like, oh, I have to 
let go of this. Like, I need to sever this relationship in this way. I actually invited them to stay on and be an, be an employee or a coworker of mine, just not a founder. And they didn't want to be involved with that. So that was a bummer. And they were someone who'd become a friend and that sucks. Um, Mm. but that's also, it's better to learn these lessons earlier, I think, than, than later. And if you have any inkling that, you know, your communication, it's a relationship. So like you can, you can go to therapy with your co-founder. You should go to therapy with your co-founder. You should get a coach who can like help you communicate. You should be really clear on your boundaries and expectations before you get started, because things do only get more complicated as, um, as you continue and as more money actually, you know, gets, gets put on the plate. But, um, yeah, it was a good lesson. And I think the do you want to hear like a story? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> always. Okay. Like I'm always like, are, do, do people like like juicy stories? I don't know. I, I always think that's like how to hear we learn stories, right? Yeah. 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 So we had a demo day where we were showing our product and uh, to like hundreds of investors. And I had been working on one side of the business, growing the business and the users. And this other person was supposed to work on the website and sort of just making sure that the backend experience was really awesome. And like an hour before I was supposed to go on stage in front of all these investors, I go to click on the website and it's all broken. And I am like, what is happening? Like frantically texting, you know, like what's going on. And I've come to find out that they deferred all that, all that, all their work to an intern that they hadn't an unpaid intern that they had brought on. And I was like, okay, yeah, we have really different expectations of like what we're supposed to be doing here. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> that's not right. And, and, um, okay, great. And as a founder, if you have a co-founder, you shouldn't have to, um, micromanage their work or you shouldn't have to manage them. Like period, your, your yeah. co-founder should hold equal weight. Um, and you should both be really clear. And that was a moment where I was like, oh, well, I have to manage this person in order to get what I need in order to make this business what I know it can be and also not destroy the work that I've already put into it. Mm. And that's not a good, that's not a good dynamic. So that was my, that was the the final Mm. straw. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm glad that it happened early so that holisticism was able to grow. (laughs) Yeah. And we all learn. And I think they're probably happier now. So it's, it's all good, you know, but I totally understand that like need the need for validation and, and like professionalism in the beginning. Cause it's like, it's, you're clawing at it. Like it's, you're always looking for external validation, whether it's report numbers, but like the numbers are never going to be big enough to be like, this is worth it. So it's like, you're just trying to get anything to convince you that this is the right path. That's exactly right. And especially, you know, to your point, looking for external validation in, in things like numbers or sales, like you're always going to keep moving, or at least I'll speak from the eye again. I always move the goalpost, right? Like, oh, I thought that it was going to be this six figure number. That was, I was going to be like, I can retire. Like I'm good. I've done it. But then as soon as I hit, I blew past that. I was like, oh, I just want to make this number even bigger. Or like, Mm. actually we want our impact to be not the hundreds of thousands. We want it to be in millions of people that we're reaching and helping. Okay, great. And so you're always going to move the needle. Um, or I guess you're going to, you're going to move the the goalpost and you'll never feel satisfied. You'll never feel like you're enough. You'll never feel like you've accomplished enough. 
if you're just looking at, you know, external KPIs, key performance indicators, it has to be, at least to me, like what, what's inside, like, Mm. how does this feel inside? How do I want to feel when I wake up and I'm like, oh, I get to go to work today. How do I want to feel when I tell people like, this is what we do and how we do it. And how do I want to make other people feel like Mm. in my community and on my team? Love that. That's such a shift. <laughs> yeah, but it's easier said than done, you know. Yeah, I still yeah, love a yeah. Good KPI. <laughs> love a good analytic. <laughs> Gotta get those reports. Get <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. But even just like a reminder, so that when you're it's Friday and you're running those reports, you're like, okay, I can like focus as well on how I felt when I got that one like or. Right. Right. And again, it's always like, to what end? Like, okay, you want to make a million bucks. Okay. To what end? Like, why? Why Why? does it matter? What are you going to do with it? Or you want to get a jillion followers on Instagram or that one like, or whatever it might be to what end and why you want to build your team? Why? Like, Mm. why do you need 30 people in order to feel like you have um, a thriving business? Can you do Mm. that with five? Can Mm. you do it with one? Like, who knows? It's just, it's just good to investigate, right? Cause mm. making a million bucks and having a jillion followers and having 30 people on your team might be like, yes, exactly correct for you, but it also might not be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's huge. <laughs> you heard it here. Not first, but you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I'm so glad that holisticism is here because having a business in kind of the spiritual realm or the mystic realm or whatever you want to call it. I like always struggle with his name. My mom, I was trying to tell my mom what the podcast was about. And I was like, well, it's about health and wellness. And she's like, yeah. So it's a self-help podcast. And I was just like, my whole body was like, it's not that. I don't think it's that, but like, I don't know how to define it anyway, <laughs> but blending the two together, is just, it's so important to me. And then to be surrounded by a community and, um, even just like email, like subject lines that are coming in my inbox that like makes sense to both sides of my body is like so fucking rad. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious, like what's the biggest hangup you see in people when they first try to blend their spirituality with their business? Um, that's a really good question. I think that in general, like whether it's spirituality, you know, spirituality, well-being or spiritual business, it's like doing it right. So am I, and doing all the things, right. Trying to do a million things. Like I'm looking at the astrological transits and I'm planning all of my launches around that. And I'm also like looking at the planetary hours and making sure that like I'm scheduling my work during those hours, but I also want to be intuitive. So I'm not scheduling anything because I just want to respond intuitively. And then I need to like check in with my guides before I do anything. And then I want to open my Akashic records, write my blog posts. And it's just like, that's so much. And I'm so stressed out just even listing all those things off. Yeah. Intuitive business at the root is listening to your intuition when you're in business. Mm. So that can be as simple as when you're in a meeting with someone and they sound fucking skeevy or they give you the heebie-jeebies being like, no, we're not working with them. And I don't need to justify my answer as to why we're not going to move forward with that. that. Um, and to that point, knowing where being able to listen to your intuition versus, um, hearing your own cognitive distortions. Mm. So like if you have imposter syndrome, um, it can be really dysregulating to have maybe someone sitting at a table with you at a meeting with you who feels like they know more than you. 
or is more powerful than you. Mm. And that can make you want to run away and not work with them. Right. Mm -hmm. So you got to be like, you got to keep your shit tight to know if it's a you thing or if it's an intuition thing, or if it's a shadow work thing. And that's the point. I think like, that's the reason we do this. And in the attempt to blend intuition into business, people get caught up in the, in the practices and the tools it's kind of like spiritual materialism as opposed mm. to just like going back to what is, what's the point of this? The reason is the reason I want to be intuitive, more intuitive in my work is so that I feel more aligned. And so it comes with more ease. And so it's mine and it's me. And um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Can you define spiritual materialism? Yeah. Oh, I am totally going to butcher the name of the Buddhist monk. It's, I'll send it to you afterwards so you can include it in the show. We'll link it below. Yeah, but it is a term um, coined by a Buddhist monk, I think like in the 70s or 80s, that is effectively this, right? Where we're like um, taking all the spiritual tools and like all this, we're doing every single ceremony and like we have all these practices, but just for the sake of like having, for accumulating practices Mm. as opposed to... um, just wanting to be in touch with ourselves because your intuition, you always have access to the tools just might make it a little bit easier for you to amplify that intuition, Mm -hmm. but you don't need them. Right. And spiritual materialism is kind of like just acquiring and consuming as much as you can um, for like a pseudo 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 spiritual state or like Mm. an elevated state. Mm. Like it would be someone maybe who says, oh, I've done 50 ayahuasca ceremonies and therefore I am more evolved than you. Mm. But in reality, like that's probably, that ain't it, you know? Right, 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 right. If you're saying it, it's definitely not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's part of spiritual materialism. No, too. Exactly. No, I love exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I recently read or heard, I can't remember where I saw this, but that um, you're a projector. I'm also a projector. Hey, I'll project Hi. this. Um, we're the best, (laughs) but everyone else is really also the best too. Um, remind that to other people. Um, and you said that when you first found out that you were a projector, that you should work four hours a day and that, um, you just kind of called bullshit on that. And I, (laughs) yeah, I feel like that's almost a similar, and maybe it's not, I don't know if anyone else resonates this with this, but like, I feel like it's a similar thing of like, trying to hold on so tightly to all of these practices and do the right thing and be a perfectionist, but like, it's completely impossible while you're also like running a business. So I don't know if maybe that's an example of totally, I don't, I'm not sure if it would be like spiritual materialism, but like, I feel like it could be a shade of that. Right. It's, it's like, you know, we, we love rules. And I think that a lot of people in the wellness space are like recovering perfectionists and really sensitive people. And um, we are attracted to this space because we are recovering from burnout from like our perfectionist tendencies and ways. And maybe there's also like an, I don't want to like, you know, blanket statement, but there are so many addictive qualities that we have just like period as people in 2020. If we look at the way that we consume content, to the way that we eat, to like, you know, the addictions that we know about, like shopping and sex and alcohol and drugs, right? And um, there's something about that addictive personality that has to do things a certain way and um, perfectly. 
I think that comes into the wellness world. So to the point of, oh, you're a projector, you look up every single rule about projectors in order to do it perfectly and like for things to be good, right? To like fix yourself. Yep. Instead of using these things, whether it's human design or astrology or Akashic Records or tarot as like the bowling lane bumpers for you to, uh, or a framework for you to work within and for you to make your own choices within. And at the end of the day, it's all about personal sovereignty and empowering you to make the best choices for yourself. So for me, working four hours a day is not correct. Like it is some days, but most days it's not because I have ideas all day long and I want to do things all day long and I'm super active and I feel amazing. And like, I'm open to that changing. I'm not like, I'm not set in stone with that. Um, but I'm also not going to like, I'm going to check in with myself before I take anyone else's advice about how I should live my life. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think that's it. Do you only work four hours a day? Oh, like, fuck no. the- <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you're living your design? Do you feel like things come to you as, as they should in a projector way? A hundred percent. A hundred. Like oh, amazing. I see, I see invitations come my way. I recognize them now as like invitations. Um, so how do you invite people to your podcast? Because technically you can invite another projector. So projectors can oh my invite God. projectors. Oh my God. Well, Hi. it explains everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like when you, so when you're inviting someone to be on your podcast, do you like have a way where you're like, oh, that was them in open energetically inviting me to invite them? Yes. And oftentimes, so I, I'm a member of a really wonderful, um, world wellness group of women and we're all into like human design and we like check in weekly and talk about our week. And oftentimes I'll be like, mm, I'm thinking about this person of being on the podcast or I'll be like, Oh, I'm obsessed with this person. And they'll be like, well, you should invite them to be on the podcast. And I'm like, your invitation Ooh. is the invitation that I need. It's an That's invitation. Good. That's what I focus on. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I like yeah. That Cause lot. otherwise I'm too hung up on like, well, they don't know me. They like, we've never met before, you know, like, no, we haven't. but we I haven't. think too, that like just being as personal as possible. Like I was so ridiculous with your email. I'm like, you're fucking amazing. <laughs> We're dancers. We got to talk. And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be formulaic about my, my invitations to people that I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you have to like express interest personally, not just like you're again, like accumulating for no reason. Right. Right. You really want to, I think you, it sounds like you really want to learn from the people that you're talking to and you're like genuinely interested in them. Absolutely. Uh, Every single person. Absolutely. That's it. That's the jam. And like, there's always workarounds for projectors. Like, you know, I, I hire manifesting generators and generators because they can do all the inviting for me. So I just tell them like, here's my idea can you go do it? <laughs> they do Love it, which that. is really great. <laughs> that is so smart. That is so smart. <laughs> Have you noticed like any other, um, kind of workarounds that you've had to do? Yeah, I think, well, with projector stuff, like the biggest thing that resonated for me was that if I just shut up and do my work, like if I just do my work, people will see it because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, um, and it takes a while for projectors to be acknowledged, I guess, um, from what I, from who I talk to and what I know. So that gave me permission to just like put my blinders on and be like, great. I show up, I do this every single week. The right people who are going to see it are going to see it. Yeah. And that's like who it's supposed to, that's supposed who it's supposed to reach. And, um, 
and being that like helps me be consistent because mm-hmm. I just know on my only job, I'm not supposed to impress people like uh, that. No one needs to impress anyone, but I really don't need to impress anyone. I just need to be myself, the most myself I can be. And the people who can acknowledge me well, and the people who can't, I mean, like I was doomed from the start with them. So why right. try to convince them how, how, how dope I am? It's never going to work. Right. Um, yeah. And then giving myself as many opportunities as possible to be seen mm. or to be acknowledged. And for me, that's being like, my goal is to just be prolific. So mm. to be prolific with my work, make as much work as I can, um, and do it at a high caliber and, um, and keep showing up. Amazing. Well, you're definitely prolific. You're, I'm like, as a fellow projector, I'm like, how is she doing this? I can't believe you do a podcast like that. That's the next thing on my list. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta, how do people think of ideas? Like, and not just stumble all over themselves while they're talking. Like, I'm so impressed. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure you will figure it out. (laughs) I'm not worried for you. (laughs) I hope God, you never know. (laughs) You're going to be fine. (laughs) Uh, Well, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I'm curious, what's your take on um, the relationship you have with yourself correlating with the success of your business? Oh, I think that building a business is like the best personal development work you can do because like all your shit that you avoid in relationships that you avoid with your parents, like it comes up in your business and you either get to address it or your business fails. So it's like, you kind of have to go through it and do it. Um, and you can't put it off. And so I think that that is really powerful. Um, and that's why I think like, you know, I think entrepreneurship is glamorized and a little bit overrated. I don't think it's for everyone, but I do think that like, if you have a little bit of that curiosity, even if you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself an entrepreneur. Cause I certainly wouldn't. When I first started holisticism, you should just start. Cause you'll learn so much about yourself. Even if like, even if your business doesn't go the way that you want it to go, you're still going to evolve and change so much. And yeah, I think that they're they're obviously intrinsically connected because when we are clear ourselves as well, like when we're super clear on who we are and we're able to connect and listen um, to what we're here to do, either by connecting to our intuition or if you believe in God or you know, follow religion, like connecting to that source, um, it comes out and and we're just a channel for it. So yeah. I feel like I went off the rails there for a second, but I really do think that like your work is you channel, you're channeling something beyond you. That's when the best work happens. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's totally how I came into wellness is my, my lovely breakdown from having <laughs> starting a business and doing a full-time job. And <laughs> Oh my God. Well, also hello projector. Like poor thing. You must've been so tired. I was, I was tired. I was very, I just did it all. And <laughs> was wondering why I was like screaming at my husband. Why do I hate everything? I don't know. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Like I haven't seen my, mo- my friends in months. Um, my husband hates me for good reasons. Like right. this isn't going well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough to know when, when to throw in the towel or when to like, um, I don't even want to say that. Cause I don't think that we ever like truly quit something. We just like, we change directions, you know, yeah. like when is it time to like change the direction and like pivot left or, yeah. you know, 
move away from what you're, what you're orienting towards or like when it, I don't know. I always wonder like, am I just in like the dark night of the soul before Mm. the big breakthrough? I'm a huge fan of the hero's journey Mm. and Joseph Campbell. And that's part of it. Right. It's like the hero always experiences the dark night of the soul. That is like what happens every in every single story. And right after that is like when the magic happens, it's called the magic flight. And like, that's when everything comes together and the new world is revealed. So how do we know when we're in that dark night of the soul versus like, actually, this is really not right for me. And I think (laughs) the key is the intuition thing. So, but TBD, if anyone else out there knows, hit me up. I'd love to know (laughs) your perspective. (laughs) No, I think I really do think you're onto something. It's like, we're never, for me, pivoting my fashion company into a podcast is it's all the same. Like, yes, my whole thing is helping people accept their real authentic selves. And before I was doing that through the medium of capes, and now I'm doing that through the medium of sharing stories. And exactly. It's not, it's totally connected and related. And yeah. So it's like, I had my dark night and then I had my like complete pivot. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. yeah, Then you like came through and you're like, actually, this is what I'm here to do and I can do it any way I want. And that's the cool thing about like being clear on your purpose because there's a million ways to live your purpose, right? There's a million solutions. You could build software, you can make capes, you can have a podcast. Like it doesn't matter. Just as long as you have that sort of North star of like, okay, I'm here to do this. Like Uh, then it's just fun. Cause you're like, great, let me experiment with this thing. Cause let me try building a trillion dollar business. Let me try building a peanut butter company. Like I can do all of it. I can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and and it's suddenly it's all the options are open rather than so limiting. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, we have like, we're running out of time, so I'm going to keep going. I'm keeping going. I'm going to like, we've got time with you. We're doing it. Okay. So (laughs) does your coaching business, um, sorry, does your coaching slash business expertise ever bleed into personal relationships (laughs) and where do you draw a line? Do you tell them what to do? Do you trust they'll figure it out? Oh my God. I know. Well, it's a personal as, question. <laughs> it's very personal. Okay. Lots of stories are coming up as a projector. We have to, we can't just like share our info, right? Like that was something that really helped me. Um, of like, when I just like give advice, people are like, fuck you, mm-hmm. you're taught, you're bossing me around. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask now, do you want my perspective? Or I know a little, I'll say like, I know a little bit about this. Do you want me to tell you like what I know? And most of the time people say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that with like my friend, some of my closest friends have become students, which is a bit weird, um, but also really nice. Like Aww. they've signed up for my classes or, or whatever and um, signed up for holisticism. Same thing with my partner. Like I'll be recording or teaching something and he'll be in, in the room next door and he'll be like, so I'm supposed to do this. I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you that for months, babe. And like, it, I try not to like, just, I try not to be too aggressive, but I just want everyone to like, to live their purpose and to like feel successful and like they're moving in the right direction. Um, but I try not to like volunteer too much. If people ask for my help, then like, I'm super down. I usually go above and beyond and trying to help them mm. to my detriment. Mm. Um, but it's, I love it. Like I love talking about all things intuitive business. So I'm always like super game to do a phone call with anyone who I love and, and help them with that. That's awesome. Well, but they have to ask. It sounds like 
They got to I, yeah. I mean, it doesn't look, it's not a good look mm. for you. to. I mean, like for me to be like, oh, sounds like you. you're having some trouble. Let me help you. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not good, you know, yeah, it's totally. not good. Especially like, you know, you're married. So you got it. Like with someone that you love, like trying to, I don't know, like, oh, it never, no. never goes over well. I don't want to do that. Like mm. it's, it's okay. And like, it's okay. I don't need to do that. Plus he's so different than me. He's a manifesting generator. We have totally different lives and ways that we approach our work. So oh, yeah. yeah. My husband is also a manifesting generator. That should be a whole other show. Just saying. Yeah. That's a whole other show. That is a whole other show. I would not recommend this human design connection for anyone. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's amazing, but like it's kidding. It's, I love him. I love I'm him. kidding. He's the best, but also like <laughs> woo. it's it's like you have totally you just work down completely different ways. And so acknowledging that is really helpful. Yeah. Like my partner is this amazing artist and creative person and entrepreneur, and he has like seven projects at any given time. And I'm just like, I can do one thing, like one thing really well. And that's it. And he's Focused. just like, you know, doing all these things. Uh, and I'm like, what are you even working on? I don't care. Whatever you do, it's fine. Like just enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Do it. <laughs> yeah. And then he always, he always, he's amazing. His business always just like blooms and we have very different approaches to the way that we work. So love that. Oh, that's amazing. Um, well, do you have time for one more? Are you, what are yeah, you? Yeah, okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. We're going to keep going. Okay. Um, so how can we, this is, um, a broad topic, but <laughs> how can we incorporate diversity inclusion into our own practices? And I hate to say it, but I think right now in this moment, given my podcast audience, we really truly are talking to what women that are white. Okay. Cisgender. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great. Well, I think I'm not like the perfect person to ask this because I am also a cis hetero white woman. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I have some maybe tidbits of information that could be useful. Um, so the first half of the question is how do we diversify? How can we incorporate diversity inclusion Mm -hmm. into our own practices? I mean, start talking about it. Right. And like, start, start, um, prioritizing it like whatever in and start whatever we talk about we begin to prioritize what we're Mm. thinking about is what we prioritize um and and give yourself I mean like it always helps to give yourself deadlines or to give yourself like um expectations because that helps you make a decision so um this stuff is hard and we're I'm never going to get it right like I'm always going to mess up I'm always probably going to harm someone, even when I don't want to, because we live in a, um, oppressive capitalist patriarchal system and structure and, and white supremacist system and structure. Um, so everything, all of our systems are set up to keep things that way. And so that's what we've been inculcated in and that's how we talk and that's how we interact and that's our norm. So, um, it takes a lot of energy to, to take ourselves out of the norm. And we don't necessarily, I don't think need to do it, a, a, like do a thousand things at once. Um, I think we can start with baby steps, right? Mm. And one way to diversify, 
diversify our perspectives is to hear other people's perspectives. So to start following and engaging and and listening to people who don't look like us, who haven't had the same experiences as us Mm. and to take that information in and roll around with it. Right. Like, you know, um, decide if, if you, if it, it's something that you believe or, or not, and to take in lots of different people's information because, um, marginalized people are not like a blanket statement. You know, they're not just like one big mass. Um, there are so many different perspectives and ideas and beliefs out there. And so I think doing your own research is really important. I think, um, if you have the capital, if you have money to invest or you have some form of resource to give back, starting to do that um, and make your make some of what you do, some of your resource more communal is really an effective way to open up and, and diversify your own life and your own experiences. I think when it comes to your business, asking yourself the question as to why maybe your ideal client is a cis hetero white person. Um, if that was your gut reaction. And I think it's, I mean, that can be okay. That can, that can be fine. Um, but just making an active choice, uh, as to that's who you want to talk to, or that's who you are out to help. Um, or maybe pushing against that and Mm -hmm. who might your ideal client look or be like, what might, what, Um, potential does your community have to maybe not look the same, to have lots of different experiences? How would that add um, more value to everyone involved? Mm. Um, And then, I mean, there's so many different ways we could do this. And again, I'm going to reiterate that I don't, I'm far from, far, far, far from perfect. Um, And I'm still learning and uh, a lot, but I think that hiring people too, um, is really an important thing to do and making sure that we hire and also create a safe space within our company or within our organizations for people who have maybe who experience marginalization at multiple intersections um, to work with us because just hiring alone isn't enough. It's actually, I think like really dangerous to bring people into a white supremacist organization and uh, just for like the sake of diversifying. Um, another thing that my team and I are thinking about a lot is the sort of tenets of white supremacy and how they show up in the workplace. And I'll send you the link. It's really, really powerful. It's, um, a workbook, but there are things like perfectionism and, um, obsession with the written word. So having to get everything written in email Mm. and, um, oh gosh, like, just like patriarchal decision-making. So like one person only making the decisions as opposed to making communal decisions. Um, Sense of urgency was a really big one for us of just like decolonizing our own perspective on work to not feel that sense of urgency all the time because it's been Mm -hmm. so ingrained in us as professionals and people who care for other people, Um, especially if you really care about things like customer service to like respond as soon as possible. I mean, all of us have email on our phones now, so that's like ingrained in us and to sort of get rid of that sense of urgency and also set up systems to help us eliminate urgency from our work, meaning that we have to be a little bit more organized. We have to think farther ahead. Uh, We need to make like be in communication with each other when we're feeling overwhelmed or we need to like spread out the workload. 
-hmm. has really changed how we interact. Um, And then the communal decisions as well has made a really big difference within our organization. Just we're a super small team of four. Um, And then actually opening up decisions for how we run our business to our community and saying, well, you invest in this business. So how would you like to see us do this thing? Or you're going to be part of this community. Like, what do you need? Tell us, we're not going to make a decision for you. We'll maybe guide and we'll create some parameters or create some structures um, or containers in which you can make those calls. But at the end of the day, again, it goes back to asking, figuring out what the problem is and trying to solve that. The best way to figure out what the problem is for your your clients is to ask them, Mm. to ask them what they need. Um, So I feel like I sort of danced around your question a little bit. The answer is I don't have a perfect answer, but those are some of the things that I'm thinking about. Um, Yeah. Does that feel, did I I cover it? I think you (laughs) nailed it. I think it's great. I love that. I love the idea of questioning um, my perfect client and I'll just use me as the example. Cause I'm here. Like that's not something I ever set out to do, but it of course is the one thing it's just like, it's like running on a subconscious written background. It's like, I never even thought about that. Totally. So in inserting that into, you know, the customer profile or the client profile, whatever work you're doing um, to me is like the biggest flipping of a script of like, think about that and then go do that in small steps. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's lots of reasons that would, that's our natural inclination um, because we have, all, we live in a white supremacist culture, yeah. but also because for lots of people who start businesses, their ideal client is them, right? right? Like yes. it's, it's me two years ago when I really needed this thing or it's me right now. And I really need this thing. So I've created this thing that I, that I need. And, um, that can be a really effective way of reaching the right people. Um, but also like, how can we step out of that and how can we even like, yeah, broaden what our product is and who it's for and go beyond our expectation of that product or service. Um, and maybe let it be something greater than, than what we'd imagined by opening up and mad and thinking about, well, who else could be helpful or how would someone else interact with this, with this product that I've created? Would they, why wouldn't they? Um, is this space welcoming and accessible for all people? Even if like your ideal, cause we all know like your ideal client is the only, isn't the only person who buys your product, right? right. Like there are, are so many people who are outliers who are going to engage with your work. And so is this space that I'm creating on the internet or on my Instagram or in my actual store, is it reflective of my values? And if it, isn't abundantly clear within five minutes, five seconds of someone being in that space, what your values are, then I think that you've missed the mark. And Mm -hmm. I think that I want to revise my answer. I think that's where diversity, how we can bring that more into the work that we do is by being really, really, really clear about what we stand for and what we do not stand for. Mm. Love that. And immediately at the top, put it at the top. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love that. Like just be really, just say it. And, yeah. um, and I think this is the time to be radical. So yeah. yes. do those things and like, and give no fucks and people will not like it. And that's okay. And that's okay. Cause they're not my client. 
I love that. I love that. That's so good. (laughs) Amazing. Wow. Okay. Michelle, anything else that you would like to share with us? This has just been amazing. (laughs) No, this was so fun. I I think that, I I mean, we could talk about a a bajillion different things. We just, my partner and I just drove across the country from LA to New Hampshire. So I'm actually in New Hampshire right now. (gasps) Wow. Which was an experience in and of itself. But um, (laughs) yeah, I, I feel like I just, anyone who's listening, who's in the wellness or well-being space or who is a wellness enthusiast, I would say go question everything Mm. and like be a badass and trust yourself and um, don't be afraid to be radical in what you do and make your wellness political because it is. There we go. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank you for just being you and being amazing and pushing your projector ways so that we can, (laughs) we can all enjoy it and just be a resource for all of us. I really, really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. My mind was completely blown the entire conversation. Um, I love meeting a good projector, fellow projector, obviously. (laughs) And also, um, I just feel like I learned so much, um, best practices for my own business, which was super rad. Um, Please, I highly recommend following Michelle over at Holisticism. You can sign up for her email list. You'll get all kinds of goodies in your inbox, um, webinars, tools, tips, resources, and just like fun emails from Michelle. Um, And she's also on Instagram, um, the hologram of Instagram, (laughs) at Holisticism. So go check her out. And um, again, please, please, please do me a favor and fill out my listener survey. Head over to sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N. And fill out the listener survey. I want to bring content to you that you find interesting because this is super fun and I want to keep this going. So head on over to sarahcohan.com. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. In the meantime, check out sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N dot com.